Hey, everybody. Welcome to the first post-draft episode of Midwestern Fins, episode number 31. It's your boy, TB, Taylor Ballard, Ballard78 on Twitter, joined by my trusty co-host, Matt Hagler. We can find him at Hagler underscore Matt on Twitter. And we are joined by... Yeah, we are joined by the newest Miami Dolphin fan, Jade, from the Bama podcast. Uh, Bama Network podcast. Sorry about that. How's it going, Jade? Welcome to Midwestern Fins. It's going good. I'm happy to be here. Have you uh, gotten any sweet uh, experience of being a Miami Dolphins fan yet? What's your initial take? Um, well, I tweeted out after Tua was drafted to the Dolphins um, for someone to help me find Dolphins Twitter. And I got a lot of feedback and a lot of new followers. And for the most part, everybody's really nice and pretty cool. You're, we're only nice and cool for now. Wait until <laughs> start. Yeah, I have received some backlash on Nick Saban and Minka Fitzpatrick, though. Oh, yeah. yeah. Especially, especially yeah. Matt. Whatever, whatever you do, don't listen to episode 30 if you like Minka Fitzpatrick. I'm a huge Minka fan, so I will stay away. <laughs> yeah, just uh, don't even tweet anything about Minka Fitzpatrick on Dolphins Twitter. Uh, there really isn't anybody that likes him. I can understand. <laughs> Uh, and as far as Nick Saban goes, he's kind of the Satan, so <laughs> he can stay away too. So Tua was the reason you came over to Dolphins Twitter. Um, I don't know how to. I don't want to jump off like jump off the gun, but is he the real deal? In your opinion, from being a Alabama fan and doing a Bama podcast, what's it like? Well, I'll put it this way. Um, Alabama, ever since as long as I can remember, really has been very defensive-minded. And we always had quarterbacks that were game managers and kept us in the game, but our defense was basically, you know, the more dominant side of the ball. And after we had Tua, pretty much all of our fan base could see it his whole freshman year. It was almost frustrating, even though I am a huge Jalen Hurts fan, to see Tua, like, sitting behind him because you could just see his talent when he would come in. Like, after we were way up in games, you could just see, like, some of the things that he would do. And so I personally was just, like, at halftime of that national championship against Georgia, I was like, Saban's got to put Tua in. Like, we're going to lose this game. This is our only hope. And so – Obviously, he did, and, you know, the story tells itself from there. But, yeah, two is a real deal. He completely changed the way that Alabama plays football, way more offensive-minded now. I mean, I'm pretty sure the numbers and the stats speak for themselves. I think the only concerning thing is just how injury-prone he has been over the years. But he only missed uh, – maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong, but he's only missed three games because of injury, correct? Um, yeah, well, let me see. Um, last 2018, he was, he had the knee injury. And so he played through that and then he went out during the SEC championship game with the ankle injury. And then he obviously had time after that to rehab before the playoffs. And he played against Oklahoma and Clemson in the national championship. And then this year he got injured against Tennessee with the other ankle. And then he missed, um, the game after that. Actually, I think we had a bye week and he played, no, he did miss the game after that, so that was two games. And then when he played at Mississippi State is when he got injured and missed the rest of the season. So however many games that is, I honestly don't know. <laughs> In theory, though, like most of his injuries outside of his hip were minor. And, you know, if he had 
I'm not saying Alabama didn't have access to the greatest surgeons in the world or athletic trainers or anything, but would an NFL team be able to evaluate those to the extent where he could either play through it and recover quicker or like, were those injuries actually make him injury prone? You know, I mean, I have a lot of faith in, um, the guys who were rehabbing to it for Alabama, like on our staff. And I think they did a really good job with him. He pretty much went straight into surgery the Sunday after both ankle injuries. And he was supposed to be off the ankle for two weeks and he came back and played. And, you know, that's what the surgeon allowed. And that's what the coaches allowed. And he wanted to play. But in my opinion, I always wondered, like, is that the reason he's never completely gotten better and he always continues to get injured because it seems like he'll go through an injury and then it's like two weeks later we put him back out on the field and then it causes him to suffer through another injury but also like the first ankle injury happened in at the end of the 2018 season and then the second ankle was a complete opposite leg that happened a whole year later so then now you just wonder like maybe he is just injury prone Well, I think Haggy can help me attest for it. Uh, Miami Dolphins had a former uh, quarterback that was, quote, quote, uh, injury prone, and he recently played in the AFC Championship game. So who knows how injury prone they actually are. Right. I mean, I think it's just luck of the draw. Like, the hip injury was a total freak accident. It had nothing to do with his previous injury from two weeks before that game. So it, it could be anything or it could be nothing. Aggie, you're quiet. Are you muted again? <laughs> no, I'm good. I'm just soaking it all in. I mean, I've got more. I've got more questions uh, focused on our on our other Alabama pick that I'll save for a little bit. Um, I only have I only have one more question for Tua, and then we can move on if you're okay with that. Yeah. All right. What's it like? Could you tell a difference between a left-handed quarterback and a right-handed quarterback when the offense was on the field? Like, genuinely, was there a big difference between watching Jalen Hurts run the offense versus Tua outside of their athleticism? Um, No, I mean, me personally, I never really, like, could tell a difference in that. I don't know if someone that, like, actually analyzes could, but no. Fair enough. Well, Haggy's been chomping at the bit for uh, for the second Alabama player that we drafted. So go ahead, Haggy, you're up. Um, so can you tell us a little bit more about Raekwon Davis? Um, yeah, anything in particular you want to know, or just in general? Um, like I need I need to ask a question before we get going. Okay. Did you see Brian Flores's reaction of when they drafted him? I did not. <laughs> He looked like a five-year-old kid that just got free reign at a candy store. <laughs> so That's if all. that means anything, I feel like he was a steal of the draft so far. Oh, for, for sure. Like every position, I mean, these two Alabama players are probably going to bring more to the table than I think the Dolphins are anticipating. At least I hope. I mean, I've said previous years, I just want the draft picks to be hits. So I didn't care <laughs> who it was. I just want them to be successful. But, all right, Haggy, you're up. Sorry. I didn't mean to talk so much. Uh, no worries. Um, we're, I've kind of lost where I was at. Oh, right. Okay, Raekwon Davis. Um, so, what? well, hold on. 
first of all, like what defense is Alabama running? Normally? Uh, that is a good question. <laughs> <laughs> all right. No worries. Um, what was that, Taylor? Means, that means they're versatile. Yeah, I'll take that. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> um, we have a very hybrid defense, so I was wondering if you saw more as like a straight-up nose tackle or if you saw more like in a three technique. Well, like got kind of outside on the guard. I've kind of just been through a lot of different techniques in the past few years. It seems like we go through coaching staff like every year. We get a new defensive coordinator or offensive coordinator, and so obviously everyone has like their own – style of play so I don't think we have like one set I mean I honestly don't know but I don't think we have like one set style okay cool with that um whatever we were doing last year though was not working I will say that <laughs> fair enough which it's always which might ex- which might explain why Raekwon had a better 2018 than 2019 when he had a better 2017 than he had a 2018 or 2019 Wow. Okay. Because I knew that there was a time where if he would have declared for the NFL draft instead of staying at Alabama, he was slated as like a top 10 player. So I feel like, I mean, he's definitely a steal. He's an excellent talent and you guys are so lucky to have him. But as a fan, it was almost like frustrating for us sometimes to see, like to know the full potential that he could play at and not actually get that out of him. The last year and even year before that, I think if he would have declared after 2018 that I think that would have hurt him. I'm glad he came back and I was expecting more out of him this year. But I think a lot of that is, was just him like being afraid of injury and just, you know, trying to make it to the league. And like now he's there. So I think you'll get his full potential. But like what we saw in 2017 versus last year was just like a steady decline. But obviously he still made a huge impact on the defense. I like it. Mm-hmm. That's what I like to hear. I guess, have um, you heard about um, his injury getting shot in the leg? Yeah. <laughs> that's another thing I was going to ask you about. Like, I, I couldn't even really think of a question. I just kind of wanted to bring that up. Like, <laughs> It's definitely worth noting. Yeah, like how how do you uh, how do you even like deal with that? Well, I don't think like, I mean, super bad injury. I think he was, it was he definitely wasn't obviously the target, and I think he just caught it um, in the leg, so it wasn't like a bullet to the heart or anything. But it was he had to go to the hospital, and then he played the next weekend, and I'm pretty sure he recorded a sack that game. <laughs> crazy i don't think taylor do you think you could do that could i get shot in the leg and then play a college football game and succeed definitely not i couldn't either shit hey uh side note about getting shot in the leg um i don't want to disclose anything too much but uh i had a high school classmate that uh was turkey hunting this last week and his heart his hunting partner's crossbow accident fire and it hit him in the side of the leg and he, uh i don't know if they'll actually be able to save his leg because of how far they had to go um and due to blood loss but they saved his life by doing a quick tourniquet and they were able to drag him out of the woods but i think they had to he had to hobble along on one leg with a crossbow bolt through his 
one of his arteries in his leg for about two and a half miles before they could get the vehicle. So, um, and just uh, it's a crazy thing to think about getting shot in the leg and knowing how close it could be to being life threatening, even if it's mm-hmm. not, you know, in a, a main organ, right? So. Correct. Absolutely. So, just a little recap on that. Uh, moral of the story, more is what I'm thinking of. Um, if you guys get shot in the leg at all, especially with a bolt or an arrow, don't try and pull it out yourself. Kind of stabilize it in there. And then you should, if you're going hunting or hiking, you should always carry a tourniquet with you and know how to use it properly. Noted. Yeah. (laughs) That's the Midwestern part of our podcast. (laughs) Well, I mean, part of it, yeah. (laughs) Have you ever been to the Midwest, Jade? No. No? Nope. I've never been to it. Cool. Is there anything you'd like to know about the Midwest? Wait, where are you from exactly? Um, technically not the Midwest for me. Um, Taylor's actually in the Midwest. Okay. But I'm from um, South Dakota. Oh. And I'm from Montana. Oh wow. Are you a born and raised Alabamian? No, I'm actually from Kentucky. Ooh. Oh, yeah. nice. Yeah. Who has better food? Um, honestly, I have no idea. I couldn't tell you. Oh, two different things. I guess it's fair. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So like Alabama is right next to Louisiana. So you have like, you know, jambalaya and gumbo and like the really Southern Bayou style of food as well as, you know, like other Southerns, you know, like fried Um, chicken. I guess like. I don't really know. Our fraternities will have like crawfish boils sometimes, but that's probably the closest that I'll come to it. Ah, dang. All right, fair enough. Mm -hmm. Uh, While we're kind of off topic from football, um, did you pick a charity for the week? I did, yeah. Cool. What do you got for us? Um, Have you guys ever heard of Love One International? Don't think so. I didn't figure. That's why I picked it. Um, basically, Excellent. it is um, out of Uganda. And I don't know if you know who Thomas Rhett is, the country music singer. Yep. Okay. So his yep. wife was heavily involved in this. And this is um, what they adopted their child, Willigree, through. So that's like how I found out about it. And um, you can make donations on their website. And obviously, you can like, pick a child that lives there through this program and like foster it as far as like money and things like virtually. And obviously people can do like trips there and stuff, but you can just do donations through their website, which is called Love One International. And it's based on a story of one little girl that was adopted back in 2007. And um, she had, they found out she had malaria, tuberculosis and was HIV positive. And so after she was brought to the United States, like fostered and adopted they brought her like back to living a normal healthy life so that's what it came from nice sounds pretty awesome i think so i'm here for it thanks for sharing it i i've been kind of slacking lately but the charity of the week is my favorite part of the podcast because everybody usually has 
some kind of story that's directly related to them and they genuinely feel like it's you know personal to them and then uh, outside of a couple um i know that we've featured alex's lemonade stand a couple times to do it because of our friend travis's cousin who's uh, recovering from cancer right now yeah. and then we've also featured saint jude's children hospital yeah. a couple of times. but outside of the uh the, the few select instances where it was really near and dear to us or multiple guests We've had a different charity every week. I think that's really awesome that we're still able to do stuff like that. That is awesome. Love One International. I'm guessing Haggy's trying to look it up right now real quick. but Yep, loveoneinternational.org. It's actually spelt out. Um, well, the one is, anyway. Mm-hmm. All one word. Looks pretty cool. Also, I don't know. Um, there's, like, videos on here. It's pretty neat. Guess you check well, it out. Actually, go and like volunteer hands on there. So that's kind of why it's like personal to me, I guess. In a way. Fair enough. Awesome. All right. So if you do, you know, and we got to get back to the Miami Dolphins. <laughs> this outside of the two Alabama players that are on the Miami Dolphins right now. Okay. Favorite. Favorite. <laughs> A favorite outside of those two? Um, I guess not. That's fair. I mean, this team is basically like 60% different than last season, so. That's true. And, and That's she's true. brand new. <laughs> yeah. Um, just know that 95% well, of the for men, like two years now. Okay. 95% of Dolphin fans <laughs> live in the past. So, know that. Uh, also know that generally you can't slander Dan Marino, but it's okay for us. Like, we, we promote it. It's good. Because <laughs> you actually know a thing or two about winning championships. So, right. <laughs> um, also know that Dolphins Twitter is about divided 50-50 down the middle um half the people hate ryan Tannehill, and the other half still support him okay um we're 50 50 on pretty much anything you can think of that's yeah. how it is <laughs> on my um, short time here you're not allowed to root for um cheer for anything with the buffalo bills the new york jets of new england patriots Perfect. Uh, however you can team up with Bills fans and Jets fans to hate the Patriots. Is that oh, fair? I love it. <laughs> My co-anchor for Bama Network, Caitlin, she's a huge Patriots fan and a huge Tom Brady fan, so she's, like, destroyed that he's not there anymore. But Alex, <laughs> like, I'll never be a Patriots fan. I've never had a favorite NFL team, so I was just waiting to join. <laughs> Welcome to the Dolphins, though. Love it. Yep, I I don't know if there's anything else we we really or you really need to know about Dolphins fandom or the Dolphins Twitter yet. Um, I think we just need to let you in, and then you just need to figure it out for yourself. Um, <laughs> avoid yeah. avoid anybody that listens to or contributes to three yards per game. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that's a good that's a good uh, it's good. Good advice right there. Gotcha. And then I guess uh, 
I almost feel like they're kind of like partners in crime. But uh, if you get a chance and you really feel like jumping in on an out of the world podcast, Fourth and Inches is a good one. They've okay. got good friends on Fourth and Inches. So Mike Vero and Tone. Perfectville's but, good. Locked on Dolphins. Okay. With Kyle, Kyle Krabs now. Oh, yep. I guess one more side note here. So um, there's a person in Miami Dolphins Twitter named Travis Wingfield. Mm-hmm. And uh, we've been following him for, you know, like four or five years. He's basically just been grinding really hard in analytics and reporting and doing the podcast game. And he literally made his life about the Miami Dolphins. And oh, wow. this last season, a few months ago, um, he actually got hired to work for the Miami Dolphins. So he chased his dreams. And I think that's something that I don't think we talked about on our podcast per se. That's we started this as a joke, but <laughs> at the same time, like we've watched Travis go from 100 followers on Twitter to having thousands of followers on Twitter and working for the team. That is so awesome. Uh, yeah. We're both proud of you, Travis. If you're listening, you're probably not. <laughs> yeah. Well, cool. Uh, any other questions? Any, I was just about to ask you about that or the same thing. Do you have any questions about Dolphins, Dolphins Twitter, anything? Um, which, like, do you guys go to games actually in person or no? I've been to a few. What's your favorite, like, team to play? Like, who's your favorite? Not so I've much seen it. but just, like, who's your favorite, like, to play against, I guess. Any time the Miami Dolphins beat the New England Patriots, <laughs> it's like the Super Bowl. <laughs> I can imagine. But I will say, so I've, I've seen them play against the Buffalo Bills um, in Miami and in Buffalo. And I'd say it's they are a lot of fun. Really? Um, yep. Okay. Uh, when I was in Buffalo, I was sitting next to this one guy, and this was a uh, this was in 2016. Uh, Ryan Tannehill got injured, so Matt Moore is playing, and this one Bills fan behind me was talking about how Matt Moore was the greatest quarterback in the history of the NFL, and <laughs> just sarcastically, and he's like. You know, Tom Brady wishes he could hold Matt Moore's jockstrap and just talking so much shit. And it was so funny. And then uh, the energy at the uh, Bills-Dolphins game in Miami was was intense, too. Like, uh, two of our players got ejected for fighting. That was Jarvis Landry and Kenyon Drake. Oh, awesome. <laughs> what was that? I said LGG for life. Yep. <laughs> That's the Landry gang gang. Uh, Mike from Fourth and Inches is starting up the Tua gang gang. <laughs> so you'll be seeing that all over Twitter here pretty soon. I'm on it. So. And I will say, um, I was kind of apprehensive about us getting Tua. Not because I didn't think he wasn't talented. Um, but mostly because, like, I didn't think Dolphins fans deserved a good quarterback. Because of the way mm-hmm. we've treated them in the past. <laughs> so if you see a whole bunch of old Tua tweets for me pop up, that's what it's for. <laughs> I think I think Tua Tonga Vailoa will be the 25th quarterback 
that the Dolphins have had since Dan Marino retired. Wow. That's crazy. So, um, he's no Cleo Lemon, but I think we could do. He's a good one. You guys are lucky. And not oh, even good. on the field. I mean, obviously, he's, like, extremely talented on the field. But you guys are lucky to have, like, someone like him in your program just for your fan base as a person. He's literally the best. He changed, like, our culture at Alabama, which I didn't think was possible to get any better as much as they love football. But he took it to the next level. I mean, we have, like, our whole fan base is trying to become Miami fans now just because of him. So if that doesn't tell you something. I like it. We'll okay. send them all our way. We'll <laughs> welcome them. Well, there's going to be some old crusty Dolphins fans. They're like, we watched him suffer for 30 <laughs> years. And like, if you okay. weren't with us last year, we don't want you now. Well, we get oh, it. Don't too. listen to those guys. Was like the epitome of college football bandwagon. And like when I was growing up, we sucked. <laughs> we were terrible through the mock years before we got Nick Saban from you guys. So we understand. <laughs> The Dolphins haven't won a Super Bowl in 47 years. So, okay. That's right. Um, so the, the Chiefs won this last year. Uh, they were 50 years between Super Bowl victories. Wow. And outside of teams that have not won the Super Bowl yet, Dolphins have the longest streak between Super Bowl championships. So we're, we're definitely on edge. We're waiting just to, you know, see a culture shift into – something more than just mediocrity. So Dolphins have basically been in middle of the pack, mediocre for the last 10 years. Um, besides the last time they drafted, well, they drafted Ronnie Brown in 2005 at number two. And then I think 2007 was the year that we drafted number one for Jake Long. So uh, between 2007 and now, we've just basically been anywhere between five and 11 and, you know, nine and seven. I don't even think we, we went. 10 and 6 when we went to the playoffs with Adam Gates, right, Maggie? Uh, we went 11 and 5 in 2008 with Tony Sperano as well. Correct. I forgot about that one. So the best win season we've had is 11, and the worst that we've had is 1. So here we wow. are. <laughs> That's insane. Well, mm-hmm. I think it will do you all good. And, and you had a good draft, like, all around. So I hope so. I really hope so. I'm uh, out of all the draft picks, though. Um, I think, and maybe I'm being a homer because of our good friend Preston Williams, but uh, the wide receiver from Arkansas State, uh, Kirk Merritt, he looks like an absolute stud. We got him undrafted, so maybe we'll have a run on undrafted wide receivers doing well for us. Putting Jakeem and Albert Wilson on 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 note right here. Absolutely. All right. Well, thank you, Jade, for coming on. Thanks for having me. Anything else? This has been fun. Great. Um, Be sure to follow Jade on Twitter if you haven't already. Um, I don't know what your ad is. It's just Jade. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah. Simple. And then make sure you check out Jade's Charity of the Week, uh, Love One International. Have a good night, everybody. Thanks for listening. I appreciate it. Thanks for being on with us, Jade. Thanks, guys. Welcome to Miami Dolphins fandom. (laughs) Thank you.